It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. The following is a Podcast One Minnesota production. For those who simply can't get enough talk about the Vikings, we present Bonus Chatter. Bonus chatter about your favorite team that's unscripted, unfiltered, and uninterrupted. This is another edition of 1500 ESPN's Purple Podcast. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Purple Podcast. Matthew Collar here with you, and I have tracked down another very cool guest. So a few months ago, I was listening to Joe Thomas's podcast, which I... Uh, suggest all of you subscribe to and he had a former teammate of his Bruce Gradkowski breaking down quarterbacks and I thought this is exactly what our Minnesota Vikings listenership would love to hear a former NFL quarterback breaking it down so I have taken a while but I finally did it I tracked down Bruce Gradkowski Bruce how are you Matthew I'm good thanks for having me on now let me tell you man you uh you are from Pittsburgh, and that is one of my favorite places in the entire world. And also, I have to give a shout-out to the MAC Conference because I used to cover University of Buffalo sports. So, hey, the, the MAC is underrated, man. That's right, brother. That, that's where it at. That's where it's at. Look at all the great MAC players in the league. Antonio Brown, number one receiver, Big Ben. There's all kinds of uh, MAC talent out, out there. And Khalil Mack. Of the Mac of uh, you know Buffalo and and a former yeah you're, or he, you're a former Raider he's a Raider too so and you're a Buffalo guy University of Buffalo so uh, you know they were terrible when I was at Toledo they but were. then they really stepped they stepped their up their game with uh, Big Mac the Mac attack that's right and now they've got a few players to watch in the upcoming draft so uh, you know we're coming along in the Mac uh, but Bruce I. I brought you on because I have some technical questions about playing quarterback, and I think that you are just the guy to answer them because I thought on Joe's podcast you brilliantly broke down some of the rookies that are coming out, and I want to get to those guys, to Josh Rosen, Baker Mayfield, Josh Allen, and how they might kind of reshape the league because it was such a great draft. But I first want to ask you some things about Kirk Cousins. So on this podcast we've talked a lot about Kirk Cousins being really good and having these great numbers when he runs play action. And everybody in the league runs play action in some way or another. I, I'm interested to know from your perspective, what would make a quarterback be exceptionally good when running play action? You know, I think it's sometimes your hand-eye coordination. You know, being able to extend that ball out, get a good play action fake, but also get it back in time to load it up, get the laces where you want them and be able to fire a strike. I think uh, a lot of times I've noticed 
myself, I, I always love play action, and, and I tend to see smaller quarterbacks in the NFL enjoying and liking play action as well because that gets us some more depth from under center. So as a as a six foot, six one, six two type quarterback, play action pass, you get the linebackers to suck up on the fake and my drop is a little deeper than a normal five step drop. So I could get back and actually see over the, the offensive de- defensive line and I feel like more holes open up downfield after a play action pass because you know, you're trying to fool the defense with a little fake. Now now what works really well when it comes to the uh, you know receivers and what and what they're doing and what type of concepts you can call up and I guess I'm thinking that because the Vikings have so many chess piece type of weapons and they were able to find great ways especially on play action to get Stephon Diggs, Adam Thielen open and then Delvin Cook before he got hurt. Did you have a particular play or concept that you every time you dialed it up you thought okay this is great I know that this is going to be money and and then how would that work? Yeah, I mean, I think, I mean, you guys are stacked. You have a lot of talent there in Minnesota. I think there's a lot of pressure now on Kirk Cousins because me personally, I thought, um, I thought Case Keenum did, did a fantastic job last year. I mean, he's a winner. He, he rallies the guys around him, brought some energy to that field and, and guys could trust him. They knew when he got in the huddle that, Hey, this guy's going to go to battle for us. So I was a fan of Case Keenum and Hey, I'm a fan of Kirk, Kirk Cousins as well, but I think this, you know, you can't get much better than going to the, you know, NFC championship game. I mean, you win one more game, you're in the Super Bowl, and then two two games, you win the Super Bowl. So that's the kind of pressure Kirk Cousins has seen. If if you guys don't get uh, to at least the NFC championship game, I think it's a failed season. Um, but I think calling those uh, play-action-type passes a lot of time you know, I'd like to play action pass and throw a deep dig route, which it'd be like an 18 to 20 yard in route. So a wide receiver is going 18 yards, rolling, rounding it, maybe rounding it up to 20 yards and coming into that hole with the play action fake that you're using to really suck up those linebackers. Now you can lay that pass with a nice lofty pass down the middle of the field over linebackers in a nice window. I think also, too, with the type of receivers you guys have is to flood one side of the field. Mm-hmm. And actually, it was pre- probably the play you guys called uh, to hit it on the Saints to actually win that game to go to the NFC Championship game is, you know, your outside receiver runs a go route, and then you have a, a guy coming from the left side of the field over to the right side of the field about 18 to 20 yards and then you have a guy in the flat. So everyone is now to the right side of the field. You have a go route. You have a guy coming over to the right side of the field about 18 yards, and then you got have a guy in the flat at about five yards. And this way you flood one side of the field. Now you're reading off the corner. It's just a high, low, one, two, three, all the way down to the tight end in the flat. And I think those are some of the concepts that, for a quarterback, it's easy because now you're just reading your progression. You're just going through a one, two, three, and, and you're also adding a fake to that. So it kind of opens windows up downfield. You know, something that they did really effectively with Case Keenum, Bruce, was they would have – it would look up front with the offensive line like they were going to run a, a zone run to the left side, and it, it would be a play action. He'd roll out, and you would do exactly that. 
you know, on different levels, you flood the field and, and it worked a lot for, you know, Kyle Rudolph, the tight end. He might line up on the left side and then come across the field and, and things like that. Uh, interesting kind of offshoot of that, of, you know, concepts and what works for each different quarterback the best. How tough is it to go from one offensive coordinator to the next or to come to a new place? Because you did this a couple times, Tampa Bay, Cleveland, Oakland, Cincinnati, Pittsburgh were the teams you played for. So you had to do this a number of times where you had to go into a new building, find your way, and then also learn an entirely new uh, playbook and teammates and things like that. What types of challenges are presented there that Kirk Cousins is going to face here coming to Minnesota? You know, it's just getting on the same page. You know, it takes a little time, no matter how good of a quarterback you are or how good of an offense coordinator you have, it's to get on the same page. You know, the offense coordinator needs to know what the quarterback's comfortable with. What does he like to, to run? What's his favorite type of plays? You know, and I, I found that throughout my career traveling to different cities, it takes a little time to get on the same page a year or two to, for that offense coordinator to know what you like to run. You know, because us quarterbacks, man, we get picky. We like the plays <laughs> we like. And, and if, if you call those plays, we'll find a way to execute it. So, you know, Kirk Cousins was with Jay Gruden for a while. So they had a chance to build that rapport. Jay Gruden's an open-minded uh, head coach, offensive-minded guy where, you know, he knew what Kirk Cousins liked. So they would now de- design uh, plays around that. Now, I know Kirk Cousins and, and the offensive staff has been working hard this offseason and getting comfortable with each other and communicating and what he's comfortable with and, and so forth. And uh, that'll be a, a big step going into the season is when you get into situational football on those third downs, Mm-hmm. Um, what, what, what are they calling? You know, what's Kirk Cousins uh, comfortable with? But also, you know, what kind of reins do you have on Kirk Cousins? Is he allowed to audible and check into his own plays? Mm-hmm. I know in a Jay, Gr- Jay Gruden type offense, there's a lot of freedom in that. You could hand signal, you could change plays, you could get out of certain plays for certain looks by the defense. So now that he's in Minnesota, how much freedom are they going to give Kirk Cousins? And, you know, paying them, what, $84 million over three years, I'm sure they're going to give them a lot of freedom. So something you brought up there that has been uh, on my mind a lot, I guess with studying Teddy Bridgewater and whether he could come back last year, obviously now he's he's with the Jets, but one of the things I really loved about Bridgewater was how he performed on third down, where it seemed like with the other team knows what you're doing, they know you're going to pass, you know you're going to pass, and he seemed to find ways to – uh, make throws where he had to anticipate or create a little extra time in the pocket for himself uh, on a big down. Can you explain how it's different on third down and the types of defenses and things that a quarterback has to think about on, say, you know, a third and five or a third and seven as opposed to first and second down? Well, situational football, that's where you win and lose games. You know, those those third down plays, it's not always going to – you're not always going to get the best call from the coach. So a lot of times it's, you know, and I know Jay Groom, we, I played with him in Cincy. It's about trying to make a play, you know, whether, whether the right play is uh, called or not. But sometimes too, it's getting to the line of scrimmage and Kirk Cousins is a smart guy. If he sees a certain coverage versus the play they have called and he knows, well, look, this is a terrible play versus the coverage they got. We were expecting, you know, cover two man and they gave us, um, uh, uh, cover three zone, 
you know, Kirk Cousins understands that, you know what, I might need to change this play to give our offense the best opportunity to get this third down. And some coaches like Jay Gruden, I know was uh, very, um, very free on that and would let his quarterbacks make some of those calls. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, so, so that, that's the biggest thing on third downs, man, is you have to keep the chains moving and find a way to get it done. What What is the biggest challenge when teams are playing with two deep safeties? I mean, because last year it seemed like if a team was playing one deep safety, the, the Vikings just shredded them up because they could only roll him one way or the other on Thielen or on Diggs, and it was just kind of like, hey, Case Keenum, look for the other side, right? Uh, whatever that guy's doing, focus on him and go the other way. Uh, but it seems like on those third downs, that's one of the biggest issues a lot of times is they'll put both safeties back there and kind of have uh, you know the top covered with the two wide receivers. What what challenge does that present? Yeah, I mean, I think with with the offensive weapons that you guys have, uh, you should be able to tear defenses apart left and right, no matter what they play. Because if they come out in a too high safety look, I'm handing the ball to Delvin Cook right. all day long. And you know, if they come out in a single high look, man, now you shred them with your Adam Adam Thielen. Thielen and uh, Stephon Diggs and Kyle Rudolph. I mean, and, and you know, it's not like you just have one good receiver. You know, have you have three. You know, you have a solid tight end for to work the middle of the field. You got good receivers outside, and then you have that beast of a running back, that home run hitter that can make plays. And, and that's what I feel. That's what's so cool about what Kirk Cousins is going to in, in Minnesota is. And not only your offensive weapons, but then you got the number one defense in the league. I mean, this this isn't a bad situation for my man Cousins. A topic that um, is talked about a lot with Cousins, and even kind of Jay Gruden alluded to at the end of the year, is their win loss record while he was there. And it's always a difficult thing to look at and parse out with a quarterback because you know obviously they don't play defense, they don't play receiver, they don't call the plays, and all those different things. And so Washington did not. Um, you know, have a ton of success in terms of the wins and losses with Cousins. And I, I think he's dropping into a very good situation here in Minnesota. But from your perspective as a quarterback, what makes you a winner? You mentioned it about Case Keenum uh, earlier, just, hey, he, that guy's a winner. Well, well, what what does that mean from a from a quarterback perspective? Yeah, I, mean, I, I just think he's a guy that can win football games. You just find a way. You know, it's not always pretty. You know, if I'm a coach – I want a guy behind center that is a good leader that his fellow teammates want to get on the field with and will play for. There's so much about leadership that plays in that factor. And now, yes, you have to have the, the, the abilities to get the job done. And I think Kirk Cousins is more talented than Case Keenum. Uh, but at the end of the day, it's who's going to get in that huddle and be the, the right leader for what they need to get the job done. And, and also, I mean, football is, is the ultimate team sport, you know. So um, you can have a, a great quarterback, but if you don't have pieces around them, it, it's hard to win. It's not like, you know, basketball or, or baseball where it's, it's more individualized. You could kind of control maybe how many points you score in a game or, you know, getting some hits or whatnot. And But football, I mean, you got to rely on everyone. It's a total team sport, so. It's really hard, you know, when Jay Gruden talks about his win-loss record, um, you know, to see what kind of weapons he had in Washington. I mean, 
now there's no excuse. You know, Kirk Cousins can't win in Minnesota because there are the right weapons around him now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's a, that's a good point. And, and at times when he did have the good weapons, it seems like it didn't match up with a good defense. <laughs> like, it, you know, 2016 when he had Deshaun Jackson and Pierre Garçon and, and the two tight ends, a good offensive line, they put up big numbers, but then the defense didn't really do their part, which I, I don't think will be so much of a problem uh, here with the Vikings. Now, I'm curious in your thoughts on on some of these quarterbacks that came into the league because the Vikings will likely face a couple of them. So Sam Darnold has a good chance to win the job in New York, assuming that Bridgewater doesn't win it or maybe they trade him away. And the same thing goes for Josh Rosen in Arizona. The Vikings will match up with them as well. How did you have the quarterbacks ranked as they were coming out when you watched those guys? And what what do you see maybe from those two specifically that you like? Um, you know, well, I tried to study these guys coming out because I think a lot goes in uh, to the quarterback position. You know, you have to have the, the, the right abilities and enough talent, but it's a situation around you. And um, coming out, you know, I, I went to Sam Darnold and Josh Allen's pro day. They were talking about being the two most hyped quarterbacks coming out. So I wanted to see them in person after watching all the film. And, you know, I was impressed with Sam Darnold. You know, he threw in the rain. I thought his footwork and timing uh, was great. I think, you know, he's accurate. The ball came out of his hands nice and quick. And and I love the fact Sam Darnold used to play linebacker in high school, you know, so that just shows the type of grit the dude has. Um, you know, but I wasn't ready to, to write him my number one QB until I saw what the hype was with Josh Allen. And then when I went to see Josh Allen in person, um, the guy's a big physical stud, but I also could feel that he was a little late on some of his throws. His timing wasn't all there. His accuracy wasn't bad, but it wasn't, you know, hitting the guys in the face. It was probably hitting them in the stomach mm-hmm. with the pass. And um, But he has a ton of upside, you know, with his physical abilities. And I've always liked the um, – you know, after after those two, being able to watch those two guys, then I knew I said, you know what, Sam Darnold's my number one guy. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I had I had uh, Baker Mayfield as my number two guy because I just love the grit and the determination Baker Mayfield has. I mean, he's the type of guy he steps on the field. He is a winner. Um, and then I had Josh Allen, and then I had. Uh, um, Josh Rosen, and then Lamar Jackson. And how it all panned out is, like, almost perfect for each quarterback and the situation. I mean, I I look at Baker Mayfield. He's a perfect fit in Cleveland and and for what Cleveland needs because Cleveland needs that kind of guy with confidence that's going to step into the huddle, and he's going to find a way to win. You know, now I know Tyrod Taylor's their guy right now, but – uh, Baker Mayfield has a, the right mentality for the Browns. I think then you look at uh, Sam Darnold going to the Jets. I think Sam Darnold's personality, the way he works, that's a perfect fit to be with a great veteran in Josh McCown and learn from McCown. I look at uh, Josh Allen going to Buffalo and just his big physical talent, strong arm, playing in that type of weather, uh, you know, not not big expectations going there. Only only good things can happen for him. I look at Josh Rosen going to Arizona. I mean, Josh Rosen is probably the most prepared right now to play mm-hmm. out of all the quarterbacks. 
and he's set up now with, with a great coach and Mike McCoy, offense coordinator, and Byron Leftwich, quarterback coach. So my pick now, after seeing where all these guys go, I could see Josh Rosen being become a rookie of the year and having a fantastic year in Arizona. And then I see Lamar Jackson uh, going to Baltimore. I mean, what a, what a great organization for him to go to. And now he's with uh, Marty Morningwig, who coached Michael Vick. So it's just it's just a really good situation for those top five quarterbacks and where they all ended up getting drafted. Yeah, Rosen really caught my eye when I watched them back because I, I felt like he processed the game really quickly. And that was an issue I thought watching the tape with uh, Josh Allen. But that's just kind of my outside view. Can you maybe explain what it means for a quarterback to be really good as a mental processor? Yeah, I think, um, you know, being able to process so much information in such a short amount of time. I remember playing for John Gruden in uh, in Tampa, and he would always tell me when he was coaching Rich Gannon, when Rich Gannon would call the play in the huddle and you break the huddle, you're walking the line of scrimmage, and you're not thinking about the play that was called. You're thinking about two or three plays that you might have to get to mm-hmm. depending on what the defense does. So there's so much you have to process, you know, in the huddle, at the line of scrimmage, you know, am I going to go on a dummy count am I, so I can see what the defense does? Do I have to switch this play? Where's my matchup? What receiver do I work? Do I have to hand signal a different route versus certain coverage? Do I run the football to this technique, to that technique, away from the safety? You know, there's so many things that go into it on one snap that you just have to be able to process those type of things. And it comes with repetition and playing. And I mean, and I think that's what Kirk Cousins does bring to the table. Yeah, no, I, I do too with Cousins. I mean, I, I don't think you ever doubt um, how well he knows what's going on out there, right? I mean, there are some other things that maybe have been questioned and maybe other reasons why Washington didn't sign on, but I, I don't think that's one of them. Um, before I let you go, Bruce, and, and this has just been awesome, and uh, I'm sure that people who listen to this will love the in-depth breakdown, I want to know if you know the best game you ever played in the NFL. <laughs> statistically the highest well, quarterback rating game do you know that right off the top of your head oh it, it had to be with that when i was with the raiders and we went home and i went to my hometown to play the pittsburgh steelers you are correct sir do you remember your line you know i remember it was three touchdowns for like 300 yards i'm not sure what the completion percentage was but it was around there you were 20 for 32 308, three touchdowns, and a 121.8 quarterback rating. That had to feel good in your hometown, right? Man, it, it was awesome. And I, I'll tell you a quick story. The year before that, I was with the Cleveland Browns finishing the season, and I started the last game of the year against the Steelers. That year they won the Super Bowl, and I probably had the worst quarterback rating <laughs> in the NFL. So so I was due to come back and, uh, and have a strong performance. So that, so that game was uh, – that game was pretty cool. But I wanted to ask you, Matthew, you know, you being in in Minnesota, I mean, you're right by the team. You're you're basically in the huddle. You're that quarterback in the huddle. Um, I mean, what is the buzz like in Minnesota surrounding Kirk Cousins in, in this big, huge signing, investing all that money into him? Uh, real quick, that game you mentioned at Pittsburgh uh, when you were with Cleveland, you had a quarterback rating of 1.0. So... 
<laughs> well, I want to. I, I want. Uh, thanks for bringing that up. I wanted you to actually end. I, I wanted. I wanted to leave the fans with with the good. Uh, <laughs> See, the you good went there. I, I went to. Hey, this was the best game you ever played, man. That had to be really cool. Tell us a story about it. And you went to. <laughs> hey, remember when I uh, had a one quarterback rating? That's not on me. Uh, no, you're right, man. That's because I, I always got to humble myself. That's, you know, I had right. some. I had some good moments, but. That's what, you know, I'm, I'm out around town, always talking to high schools, youth camps, even bit local businesses, leadership summits. And that's one thing I stress a lot too is just, you know, you're going to get knocked down, but whether it's not about how many times you get knocked down, but it's how many times you get back up, you know, and, and a lot of times, um, we're, we're all going through different situations in our life and, to fight through those things, whether it's on the football field or outside the football field, um, we're all going through our own issues. And I just encourage people to keep staying strong. And, and if you have that right attitude and worry about what you can control, and that's approaching things the right way, things will tend to tend to pan out. And that's kind of the attitude I tried to um, to bring with, uh, you know, as throughout my career. Well, I think that's a great message to relate to my answer to your question which is i think that the vikings are going to go through some things this year that they didn't last year i think that there are going to be more bumps in the road last year they didn't have injuries almost at all outside of sam bradford and delvin cook that was talked about a lot but on defense they're starting 11 from week one was they're starting 11 in the playoffs i mean how often does that ever happen and it just seemed like it was a magical ride all the way to the minneapolis miracle I think this year their schedule is really hard. They face uh, Russell Wilson and Tom Brady and Drew Brees and Aaron Rodgers twice that they didn't have to face last year. So it's going to be a little tougher, and that's where we're going to learn about Kirk Cousins and how he faces adversity and Mike Zimmer in this defense and some of their leaders who have been through it before now with facing adversity, but how do they do it with Cousins as the face of their franchise? I think that might determine whether they're a team that goes – 11 and 5, 12 and 4, or if they're a little bit more on the fringe because they are in, I think, the toughest division, wouldn't you say? Yeah, no, you're, you're totally right. And, you know, I played with Mike Zimmer. So Mike Zimmer was the defense coordinator when I was in Cincinnati backing up Andy Dalton. And I love Zimmer, man. He, he got his defense prepared. And I was actually playing against him every day because I was the scout team quarterback. So, We'd honestly talk crap to each other. I would try to go on hard counts all day to try to get his defense to jump offside just so I could see how pissed he would get. <laughs> so so I'm a huge fan of, of Mike Zimmer, and I think he's doing such a good job with that football team. Um, you know, where do you think uh, – where is Dalvin Cook right now in his recovery? What do you expect from him this season? Is he going to be ready to go? Yeah, no, he's ahead of schedule right now, which is something I don't think they expected. When they talked to us um, before OTAs, they said, look, he's going to be back for training camp, and that's our timeline. And then he was back for all of minicamp. And so my expectation is that he's going to play in the preseason games and he's going to be ready to go week one. And then, you know, he's going to be basically the centerpiece of their offense, even with all the weapons. I think it all starts there. You know, I, I don't think they're going to, want to throw 650 times. I think they're going to want to start with that run game and the screen game with Delvin Cook and then sort of, you know, wor work it out from there. And like you you talked about the play actions and things like that. I mean, I think that that is all going to be 
be really key. Tell me something I don't know about Mike Zimmer. Something you don't know about Mike Zimmer. Um, he, I would say Mike Zimmer is a coach. I mean, he's a he's a great coach, but I, I think he's a he, he's just a really good dude too. You know, and I think his players know that. I think uh, he comes off that you know tough guy mentality, and um, but everyone that plays for him loves him, and he's a player's coach, and he's hard on you, uh, but. And he'll and he'll he'll get after you for sure, but um, he's just he's just a good guy. And yeah, the story I was talking about, like in Cincinnati, I mean, it was just funny because we would we would talk crap to each other, and um, and I would try to get his defense to jump off sides. And also, this is what you might not know is before I signed with the Bengals, we were talking about that Pittsburgh Steelers game when I was with the Raiders. Mm-hmm. Well, a few a few weeks before that we play the Cincinnati Bengals. Mm-hmm. And this is when the Bengals were undefeated in their division. Mike Zimmer had that number one defense. And I'm the starting quarterback for the Raiders. Well, it's a fourth down and 10, and it's at the end of the ball game. It's like under a minute left in the game. We're down by seven, and it's a fourth and 10. And he uh, acts like he's going to give me an all-out blitz, and he drops out of it. Well, we complete the pass and get the first down. We end up going down the score, and we end up winning the game. And he told me when I was with the Bengals then, he goes, you know what? I should have all-out blitzed you. I shouldn't have dropped in the coverage. <laughs> I said, keep bringing them, baby. Keep bringing them. <laughs> Man, that's, that's, but he's, that's uh, great. Do you, do you think um, with, with the trio you guys have on offense, I mean, in the passing game, with Thielen, Stephon Diggs, and Kyle Rudolph. I mean, do you think those guys get the respect they deserve around the league? You know, I, I think they're starting to. The um, the, the combination of, of Thielen and Diggs uh, is starting to get that attention, especially Diggs with the Minneapolis Miracle, where he's now winning an ESPY award and things like that. And, and you know what helps is just the access to information that maybe before I would know from video games if a guy was good or, you know, because he was on the cover of Madden or, you know, whatever it might be, if it was ESPN highlights were on there now. But now with all the information, you can look up somebody's quarterback rating when they throw in a wide receiver's direction. And that's where with Stephon Diggs, he is not your number one fantasy wide receiver, but his efficiency is incredible. And he was number one on contested catches and, and things like that. So I think that they're starting to get that attention, especially Thielen had a 91 catch a season last year. I had been arguing Bruce that, like somebody should come in and offer sheet him when he was a restricted free agent. You don't get that opportunity very often after 2016. Nobody did. They re-signed him on the cheap, and then he has this incredible season. But what's what's great about those two guys is that they can run any route anytime from any place. So you can line up Thielen in the slot and run him at all three levels. And I don't see too many wide receivers that you can do that. I think most are... Like, okay, you're good at this or you're good at that. You're good underneath. You're good deep. And there's maybe 20 guys in the league who can go all three levels, and they have two of them. So, yes, I think that people are starting to come along on them. And Rudolph, yeah, I mean, he's been a pro bowler. He's kind of earned his way, and and he's great in the red zone. So I I think that they do. Yeah, I, I think that's coming along. Now, anything after that, though, as far as who's the number three wide receiver, that's still kind of that's still kind of up in the air. So there is some questions about the weapons overall, aside from those guys, if anybody gets hurt. But 
uh, with them, I mean, I, I think that they're top notch. Yeah. And what, what do you think? What do you think the Vikings end up this year? Obviously, Aaron Rodgers is back. Um, and you look around the league. I mean, I don't know if Matt Nagy is going to do enough in Chicago to make them a real competitor this year. I mean, you have Matt, Matt Patricia, uh, in Detroit now. I mean, so you have some really good coaches in that division. Um, it's going to be fun to watch, but, but what do you think with Aaron Rodgers coming back? I mean, What's your prediction this season? So I think that this division is going to be really tight. Like you could have your worst team in the division might be eight and eight or seven and nine. And, you know, when I look at Chicago and everything that they did in the off season, where you have Trey Burton is an intriguing athletic tight end. They brought in and Allen Robinson, a proven wide receiver and a, you know, an offensive mind that comes from Kansas city where Andy Reed just continues to have great offenses year after year, almost no matter what the situation is. I, you know, I think it's going to be night and day for Mitch Trubisky from what he had with John Fox. And now what he has here with all these different weapons and a new coach that's the team that's the hardest to predict for me. They're kind of the wild card here. Um, with Detroit, I also look at them as a team that if they play some defense at all, I think they were seventh in points last year and missed the playoffs. I mean, that, that shouldn't happen. So that tells you something about right. you know the, their defense and how poor it was. So if they improve there at all, and that's why I think that the Vikings are in for a rocky road because you know how good Rodgers is. And somebody that is an intriguing guy for Green Bay Packers fans or to be a little concerned about if you're Vikings fans is Mike Pettin. I covered him in Buffalo and I thought, I thought he was a brilliant defensive coordinator. And so they go from Dom Capers who had been around a long time, but maybe hadn't adjusted to somebody who was really smart in Mike Pettin as a defensive mind. They had Muhammad Wilkerson, you know, I mean, I just think that this division could be, you know, three 10 win teams or something like that. And uh, it just kind of figures Vikings fans will, will laugh just that, you know, they have Super Bowl expectations. And of course the NFC is, is super, super tough, but uh, you know, it, it's hard to figure out exactly how it's going to play out. I guess I would still have Vikings and Packers as maybe tied for the top of the division. And then, you know, the other two kind of filling in behind, but you could see it in almost any combination. Well, and that's a great point you bring up about Pettin going to uh, Green Bay to be the new defense coordinator. Um, so there's a lot of competition that, in that division. And the quarterback-wise, I mean, you have Kirk Cousins now, Aaron Rodgers, Mitch Trubisky, and, um, and Matthew Stafford. So you have franchise QBs in that division. Do you think, you know, I was a little surprised, you know, when Trubisky gets drafted how high he got drafted, only have a one year at North Carolina. I mean, what was your thoughts on him? So I was a I was a Patrick Mahomes fan coming out because I thought that, you know, he, he was a little bit wild, but if you tamed him, he has an unbelievable arm. And I always watch, Bruce, I don't know if you do, I used to always watch the John Gruden camps because I would love to study the guys and, you know, just see how they right. react to, to Gruden. So I still go back on YouTube and watch guys who made it, guys who didn't, and see what I can pick up on there, you know. And with Mahomes, um, I, I just loved his. So I loved his mentality. I loved that he was like a sponge and he was really listening to Gruden. With Trubisky, I wasn't really sold. I mean, not just on the Gruden camp, but just, you know, I watched his um, – what was it? The, uh, the last game that he played, the bowl game, I thought he struggled there. But from what I saw last year, I think that there's potential. It's just, you know, what I find, Bruce, and maybe this has even changed 
since you were in the league just this last couple of years is that the supporting casts seem to have such a huge impact on who we come away with thinking is really good or not really good from year to year. And, and that's what it ultimately depends a lot on. I mean, Jared Goff is the great example for me of a guy that I thought, exactly. I thought he couldn't play at all. And then all of a sudden, you know, he's got this amazing offense and I look at Trubisky as maybe a guy who could emulate some of that. And he's a, he's a good athlete too, which I, I think will really help him. So I, I mean, he's definitely among the most intriguing players, I think going into this season, don't you? Well, you bring up a great point about Goff, though. That dude's career was heading down the shitter if it wasn't for Sean McVay coming out to L.A. and and revitalizing it. And that's what I mean. And I'm not – and I don't mean like Goff's a bad player or bad quarterback, but that's why it is so tricky in the NFL. We can guess of how good these guys are going to be, but it's where they go and who they go with. I mean, mm-hmm. if you're Patrick Mahomes and you're with Andy Reid, that's a great situation. If you're uh, Trubisky now with, with uh, Nagy, that's awesome. You know, so you see these guys around the league like uh, Jimmy Garoppolo mm-hmm. with Kyle Shanahan, you know, and then Goff, Goff with McVay. Like these are young up-and-coming coaches that I'm not going to say plug anyone in there, but give me, you know, two or three other quarterbacks and they're going to be just as successful in that offense because those offensive minds are that good. And I think that's what McVay did out in uh, L.A. for Goff. And I think he's a good young quarterback, but I'm just trying to prove a point of if you if you team these QBs up with a good offensive mind, it's just a tag team, and that's what it's about. So let me give you two more that I'm really interested in, Bruce. Eli Manning and Case Keenum, because Pat Shermer last year was was just flat-out brilliant. And I know that he has all the weapons to work with there with the wide receivers and everything else. But I thought his play calling, his schemes were just tremendous going from week to week and how much they would change. I, you know, I go back and watch the all 22 tape after every game and each game I would be impressed with something creative that was there from Pat Shermer. So now Case Keenum's not with the same receivers. He's not with Pat Shermer anymore. He's not in us bank stadium, which I think really helps uh, the home field advantage. And then Eli Manning had it rough last year. He loses his receivers the thing with Ben McAdoo is all going to hell. And now, you know, he's got the, the guy who I think is a brilliant offensive mind in Pat Shermer. I, I'm really going to be watching those two guys close to see if Keenum comes back a little bit from where he was or if he proves himself to be that solid NFL starter and they've got a, a deal there, a, a steal with getting him at that price. And if Eli kind of has one last hurrah here, you know, and, and his swan song turns out to be really good in New York. Yeah, I think Pat Shermer is going to do wonders for the Giants' offense, and especially they got, say, quads, Barkley, because his quads are freaking huge. Yes, they are. Um, Same. Just, Me too. Just, just hand it off to that guy. But And you're right about Case Keenum. I mean, um, in Denver, I think Case Keenum – because Case Keenum reminds me a lot of myself. Like, we're fighters. We're going to grit, grit it out, work hard, know what to do. But at the end of the day, like, I didn't have all the abilities or arm strength uh, to match up with, um, you know, uh, an Aaron Rodgers or, you know, even these, you know, guys with stronger arms and more talent. So it'll be interesting to keep an eye on. And those are the things I'm going to watch out for this year. I'm very interested to see the the relationship in, in San Fran with Kyle Shanahan and Garoppolo, where that ends up. I'm super interested to watch the Cleveland Browns. And their moves with Tyrod Taylor and 
Todd Haley coming over there, the season with the Steelers and Le'Veon Bell. Uh, if they're going to start out slow now, with now he's holding out till till uh, the first game of the season. So a lot of things to keep an eye on, and I'm excited to see Aaron Rodgers come back, and I want to see what Kirk Cousins does in that NFC North division. Um, so I'm, I'm excited. There's a lot of good things, and it, it's exciting that camp's right around the corner, especially since I don't have to report to camp this year. I'm very <laughs> excited. <laughs> yeah. Hey, you know, they practice a lot less, right, because the the new rules than maybe you had to when you first started in the league back in 06, right? Like, I think there's only something like 20 practices that they're allowed to have in training camp. And uh, when I was a when I was a kid, it was like they were practicing, it felt like for months on end with, a you know, double – two-a-day practices and all that sort of thing. It's it's really changed. They got it easier right. now. Well, and, and I'll tell you a quick story. Um, so I was a rookie in Tampa, right, starting 11 games for Gruden. You talk about the Gruden QB camp that you've been watching. So I lived it. So this dude is uh, teaching me great football every day, all day, so much film. I'm learning a ton. Well, I was up every night till 2 in the morning trying to memorize all these plays because mm-hmm. – I didn't want to get in the huddle with Joey Galloway, Mike Allstott, and uh, not be able to, you know, remember one of these plays. And the play that kept me up all night uh, was Indy right, 10, X short, fake 96, power king, naked left, X slide. Yeah, I, 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 that? yeah no, <laughs> uh, I remember that just now. I just don't feel like repeating it back to you. That's what it is. So, How, well, so, and, and then, so you remember well, it now, though. Oh, I, I, I'll never forget it. I mean, <laughs> and then I get in the, I get in the huddle another time with, uh, Mike Allstott and I call a play and I actually, you know, called the play. It was, it was green, right, west, 93 weeks. So run to the left, can it with 96 power king to the right. And, but I said green, right, west, 92 week, can it with 96 power king. So I called two runs to the right. Hmm. And for those of you don't, that don't know is, Odd numbers are to the left, even numbers are to the right. Mm-hmm. So I call two plays to the right. So we break the huddle, we're walking to the line of scrimmage, and I'm like correcting myself. I'm telling the offensive line, no, no, 93 week, 93 week. I look back to tell my running back, and Mike Allstock grabs my face mask. He goes, which one is it? <laughs> Get it effing right. And I was like, I was like, oh man, that was like my welcome to the NFL. Man, that's awesome. So what the the play that you first read uh or memorized that you were talking about keeping you up. What what is that play? So Indy Wright 10. So Indy Wright is the formation. Mm-hmm. So it's a no back formation. Everyone's lined up and empty. Indy Wright 10. 10 means tailback back into the backfield. So Indy Wright 10, so I'd shift him back into the backfield. Indy right 10, X short. Now I bring X in short motion. Okay. Indy right 10, X short, fake 96 power king. So now I'm faking the 96 power king, naked left X slide. Then I bootleg to the left, and my X slides underneath for a little dump off. So all those words for like a five-yard pass. <laughs> you know, in college, that they just call that like 92 or something. They would just have like right. They would they would just hold up a big picture of your head, and they'd be like, "Oh, okay, we all know the play now. That's it. That's really right. that's no, really cool." For sure, man. I'm really looking well, Matthew, forward. I... Oh, sorry. I was just gonna What's say I, I'm really looking forward to Gruden being back in the NFL. I just he's one of my favorite guys of all time. Just as far as a broadcaster, 
you know, bringing that X and O's perspective, I feel like, you know, he would get criticized sometimes for being so, so super football and loving spider two Y banana. But I'm like, man, I loved watching him criticize those guys and then, you know, pump them up and sort of how he would watch them react to what he was saying. It's one of the, the coolest things that ESPN has ever produced. So I, it's really awesome that you got to live it. Oh, I, I mean, it was awesome. And those are one of the relationships uh, situation I'm trying to watch this season is Derek Carr and John Gruden. So it's a lot to keep an eye on. And, you know, and I appreciate all your feedback, man. Some great insight on the NFC North, especially with Minnesota. So good luck to you this year. Yeah. Thanks Bruce. And uh, I really appreciate you taking the time to come on and let, let's do it again sometime in the season, man. Yeah, sounds good, my man. All right, thanks, Bruce. Take care, and thank you all all for listening. Thank you, Matthew.